Take your Bibles, if you will, turn them to the book of Amos, chapter number 2. I'm going to read out of Amos chapter 2, but we're going to kind of find ourselves back in uh, the latter part of Amos chapter 1 this morning. Amos chapter 2, we're going to read verses 4 through 16. Amos chapter 2, verses 4 through 16. And if you're able, let's stand as we honor the reading of God's word. Excuse me. Amos chapter 2, verse number 4. The word of God says, Thus saith the Lord, For three transgressions of Judah, and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because they have despised the law of the Lord, and have not kept his commandments. And their lies caused them to err after the which their fathers have walked. But I will send a fire upon Judah, and it shall devour the palaces of Jerusalem. Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Israel, and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because they sold the righteous for silver, and the poor for a pair of shoes, that pant after the dust of the earth on the head of the poor, and turn aside the way of the meek, and a man and his father will go in unto the same maid to profane my holy name. And they lay themselves down upon altar, uh, upon clothes laid to pledge by every altar. And they drank the wine of the condemned in the house of their God. Yet destroyed I the Amorite before them, whose height was like the height of the cedars, and he was strong as the oaks. Yet I destroyed his fruit from above and his roots from beneath. Also I brought you up from the land of Egypt and led you forty years through the wilderness to possess the land of the Amorite. And I raised up of your sons prophets and of your young men for Nazarites. Is it not even thus, O ye children of Israel, saith the Lord? But ye gave the Nazarites wine to drink and commanded the prophets, saying, Prophecy not. Behold, I am pressed under you, as a cart is pressed that is full of sheaves. Therefore the flight shall perish from the swift, and the strong shall not strengthen his his force, neither shall the mighty deliver himself. Neither shall he stand that handleth the bow, and he that is swift of foot shall not deliver himself. Neither shall he that rideth the horse deliver himself. And he that is courageous among the mighty shall flee away naked in that day, saith the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we bow before you once again, acknowledging that your word is just that. This that has been read is the very words of God. Lord, I pray that as your word has been read, you begin to soften our hearts to be ready to receive and understand your word. You send your Holy Spirit, Lord, throughout this place to convict hearts that we may repent, Lord, that we may be encouraged, that you may be exalted. Father, I pray that you give me the words to say. Hide me behind the cross that as I preach, it is not me that is preaching, but Lord, it is the very words of God that you would have us to hear. Let me not be exalted. But let Jesus Christ be exalted. For if he is exalted, if he is lifted up, it is promised that all will be drawn to him. Forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of our failures. Lord God, speak to our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
You may be seated. Just last week we began looking through the book of Amos. And we looked and uh, just to kind of get a little bit of an introduction, we looked at verses 1 and 2 of chapter 1. And what we learned is that Amos was uh, just a good country boy from, uh, from the south in Judah. And uh, he's been called to a ministry uh, to, uh, to Judah and Israel uh, to preach, thus saith the Lord. And as he uh, preaches, we, we realize that he was not one that had uh, any type of formal education, no formal training. It says that he was a, a herdsman. In fact, he wasn't even that good of a herdsman because he, he led them from behind. A good shepherd would lead them from the front. So he was just really doing what he could do to get by. And yet, as he was doing that, and being on someone else's payroll, it wasn't even his sheep. He was just a, a farm boy, shepherding the flock, gathering sycamore fruit. It was this person who was available and ready to do what God had called him to do, that God uses to bring his message. Just like today, God uses ordinary people to bring his message to a lost and dying world. And so as he has uh, been prepared by God to do this, and his name meaning burden bearer or burden, he uh, has this burden for, for the world. He has this burden for the people of God. And so he wants nothing more than to go and proclaim God's word to these people because he recognizes this is what they need to hear. Perhaps he remembers what Deuteronomy said when it says, man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, which was later quoted by our Lord in the desert as he was tempted. So Amos, recognizing that he had a call, knew he had a message to get out, and he does just that. And so as he is called to this ministry in Israel, he begins it by, first of all, speaking to the surrounding nations and the surrounding peoples. In fact, he's preaching in this beginning of his sermon to the enemies of God very meticulous what he is doing let's look and see what he is saying to the people of God we won't get much into this because the main portion is in chapter 2 but he begins by speaking in verse 3 for three transgressions of Damascus and for four uh, I will not turn away the punishment thereof because they have threshed Gilead with threshing instruments of iron and this phrase is often repeated over and over again for each uh, nation and each people that he is preaching to for three transgressions and for four, which is really just a prophetic way of saying you have got an innumerable number of offenses against you and here's what's coming because of your sin. You are a people that has been storing up the wrath of God against you because of the sin that you have been committing. And he goes through each of these verses and he's uh, telling them what their sin is or maybe giving an overview of their sin or maybe giving the, the vilest of their sins. And putting that into place as he is preaching, thus saith the Lord, to these people that knew not God nor were a part of his people. So it begins with Damascus and he moves on. He's talking about them threshing Gilead with uh, instruments of iron. He uh, talks about breaking the bar of Damascus, which would be the security bar that would uh, keep the gate of the city closed. And he is talking about this, uh, breaking that bar, letting people being able to come in and, and ravage the city. 
says, And the people of Syria shall go into captivity unto Kerr, saith the Lord. In other words, Syria, their homeland was Kerr. And so he's basically saying, These people won't even be a people anymore. Continues, verse 6, For three transgressions of Gaza for four. He says, They carried away captivity, uh, the whole cap they carried away captive the whole captivity this is speaking of slave trading he says but i will send fire upon the wall of gaza which shall devour the palaces and cut off the inhabitants from ashdod and him that holdeth the scepter from ashkelon and will turn my hand against ekron and the remnant of the philistines shall perish saith the lord this speaks of utter desolation to these principal cities of gaza Verse number nine, three transgressions and for four of Tyrus. They remember not the brotherly, brotherly covenant, which was a covenant made with David about slave trading. Once again, verse number 11, three transgressions of Edom and for four, because he did pursue his brother, which would be Israel with the sword and did cast off all the piety, all the, all cast off all pity in his anger did tear, perpe tear perpetually, and he kept his wrath forever. But I will send a fire upon Timon, and shall devour the palaces. Verse number 13, for three transgressions of Ammon and for four. He says, they have ripped up the women with child of Gilead, that they might enlarge their border. Speaking of a, uh, just the, not caring for mankind as they seek to enlarge their border. They're, they're doing what they can. They don't even care if you're pregnant. They're going to rip the child from the womb of the mother just to do what they want to do. Verse number 14, the, of course, he's kindled the fire of the wall of Kabah, and it shall devour the palaces. And the king shall go into captivity in verse number 15. Verse number 1 of chapter 2. For three transgressions of Moab and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because he burned the bones of the king of Edom and the lion. This speaks of extreme hatred that they would have, that they would desecrate this body. It says, But I will send fire upon Moab, and it shall devour the palaces of Kirioth. Moab shall die with tumult and shouting with the sound of the trumpet. And I will cut off the judge from in the midst thereof. And will slay all the princes thereof with him, saith the Lord. Now let me stop right there. This is the beginning of the message. Now his ministry is called to Israel. His ministry is called to Judah. His ministry is to the whole of the people of God. And But in order for him to be taken seriously, they wouldn't listen to him in Israel being from down south. So he had to kind of lure them in. And so what does he do? The Lord gives him a message to the people that are outside of God's covenant that are outside of God's people and so he is preaching against their sin and preaching you will go to hell you will be punished for your sins and no doubt the people of God are hearing this saying yeah preach it preacher go ahead and tell them people who's boss go ahead and tell them what the Lord has to say to them but then after he lures the people in and by the way listen to me isn't it always easy to amen other people's sins we come into church week after week knowing the lives that we live, but when it's focused on some other sin that's not in our lives, we say, preach it, preacher. But then when the preacher gets to preaching and it touches on something in your life, you say, preacher, you're meddling. 
Well, I've got news for you, folks. Amos is fixing to go meddling. Amos is fixing to go, and he's fixing to tell not just the people outside of the church that they are in danger of the judgment of God. But now, in verse number 4, he turns his attention to Judah. He's going to turn his attention to Israel. These were God's covenant people. Look what he says to them. We've seen him focused on those other people. But what is he saying to the people of God? He says in verse number 4, Thus saith the Lord, For three transgressions of Judah and for four. Transgression on top of transgression. Sin on top of sin. Judah, people of God, here's what I'm saying to you. Thus saith the Lord, I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because they, look at this, because they have despised the law of the Lord. You see, these other surrounding nations, they didn't have the prophets like Israel did. They didn't have the patriarchs. They didn't have the uh, oracles of God, so to speak. But Judah and Israel did. They had the prophets said to them. They had the, uh, the patriarchs. They had the law of Moses. And so Amos is standing up to him and he says, You have despised the law of the Lord and have not kept his commandments. It says, Their lies caused them to err after the which their fathers have walked. He's preaching now against, hey, look, you are doing all these things simply because you've despised the law of God. You've not gotten into the word of God and seen what the word of God has to say. But you have let traditions of man cause you to walk in ways that are ungodly. And now because of that, because of your refusal to heed and hear God's word, you have got the punishment and the wrath of God abiding on you. God helped the church that knows what the, what the Word of God says, but refuses to act on it because of, well, we've never done it like that before. Famous last words of a dying church. We've never done that before. Well, bless God, maybe we should get back to the Word of God and start doing it the way it was done before the before. You know what I find? I hear people all the time talking about we need to get back to the old-time religion. We need to get back to the old paths. But a lot of times what they mean when they say that is we need to get back to what, what church was like in the 50s and 60s. What about before the 50s and 60s? What about before the, quote, old-time hymns? What about before the, quote, old-time sawdust road revivals? These are all things that are fairly new in the 20th century. But yet we look and we esteem these things as if they're the gospel truth and the biblical way to do things. We're in serious problems if we think that just because we did something when we were younger, that's the way it should be done now. The traditions of their fathers have caused them to err. That's what these lies are, traditions. Nothing wrong with tradition, but if it goes against the word of God, we need to reevaluate some things.
he continues on. He doesn't just stop with Judah, but now he goes on into Israel, the northern kingdom. It says, Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Israel, and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because you've sold the righteous for silver and the poor for a pair of shoes. It speaks of a betrayal on, the, on behalf of uh, uh, the lesser people, we might say, in the uh, society, those that, that might not have as much money, the poor being sold for a pair of shoes. And what that could mean is either slavery, or it could mean that, that the uh, more abundantly... Uh, the rich people are doing what they can to step on other people to get to the top. Betrayal. We might talk about selling somebody out. That could be a possibility of the way this could be interpreted. They're selling people out. They're betraying other people. Why? Because of greed to gain more. Greed. Do we hear about greed a lot in churches? No, and I'll tell you why. A lot of people are too afraid to talk about money. Oh, well, we don't need to offend people with, you know, always asking for money. You know what I find a lot of times? It's not the churches that are greedy for money. As far as the pastor standing up and just giving a biblical illustration and sermon upon tithing. But you know what I find where the most of the greed is? It's in the pews where people want to hold on to their pocketbooks and not give it up for the glory of God. Say, well, I'm on a fixed income. God bless you. God asks you to give. He asks you to give out of the abundance of your heart, not out of the availability of your pocketbook. Just didn't like the way that sermon come out. I'm keeping my five dollars. You really think your ties are for me to come up here and put on a show? It's not what ties and offerings are for. That's not what giving is about. We've got a lot of greedy people in churches today refusing to give the part that God has commanded to give. Not getting a lot of amens this morning. Maybe. Maybe y'all are gonna cut my paycheck so you can go buy y'all a new pair of shoes this morning. So there's this betrayal. There's greed taking place among the so-called people of God. It says that pant after the dust of the earth. These people that are still being oppressed. It says, and turn aside the way of the meat. And listen, and a man will go in unto his same maid. A man and his father will go in unto the same maid to profane my holy name. Sexual immorality is rampant among the people of God in this. In fact, they're using it as a way uh, to, quote, worship other gods. And we see it time and time again in churches today. Where, it's where people are, are constantly being found out of with pornography, adultery. All sorts of uh, fornication going on among people of several uh, top leaders in Christianity today just recently have had to step down from their positions because of immorality among themselves. It says in verse 8, they lay themselves down upon clothes laid to pledge by every altar. They drink the wine of the condemned in their house of their God. That clothes laid to pledge speaks of uh, 
uh, uh, one's cloak that they might might pledge for something. And uh, according to Jewish law in Exodus 22 verses 26 and 27, and Deuteronomy 24 and uh, verses 12 and 13, uh, that these clothes were to be given back to the oppressed and to the poor at the end of the day so they would have something to uh, to warm themselves with but these people have no regard for uh, for the other man for their fellow man and so they're using their clothes to lay themselves down with uh, temple prostitutes and commit idolatry that's what's going on. Idolatry is rampant among the people of God. And God is crying out to them. He says, don't you remember what I brought you from? It's what he says in verse number 9. Yet destroyed I the Amorite before them, whose height was like the height of the cedars. And he was strong as the oaks. Yet I destroyed his fruit from above and his roots from beneath. This is speaking of the Amorites that when uh, they went over and to, to seek out and and. Uh, look at the promised land and see what type of land it was. They, they saw the Amorites and they saw we were like grasshoppers in their sight. But God is saying, I destroyed them for you. And in verse number 10, he says, Also, I brought you up from the land of Egypt and led you 40 years through the wilderness to possess the land of the Amorite. I watched over you. I took care of you. I gave you a land. He says, I raised you up. Uh, of your sons for prophets and of your young men, Nazarites. It's not even thus, O ye children of Israel, saith the Lord. In other words, he's saying, didn't I do this for you? Didn't I deliver you out of captivity and bondage? Didn't I take you from being not a people to being a people? He says, I let you have the privilege of having my prophets speak to you and for you. I've brought up Nazarites, people that were holy, reflecting my holiness. But what did you do? In verse 12, But you gave the Nazarites wine to drink and commanded the prophets, saying, Prophesy not. In other words, they're saying, Don't do what God wants you to do. Don't worry about holiness. Don't worry about preaching. Don't do any of that stuff. We don't want to hear it. And God is saying, I want you to hear it. It's interesting that a lot of times I, I was reading a story, uh, either this, I think last week I was reading it, and this uh, man was talking about how uh, before he'd come to know Christ, how he was in the bars every time they were open, and he was and he was there getting drunk every weekend, every chance he got, he was there, man, just partying up and and just giving everything he had to the devil. But then something happened, and, and he heard the gospel, and he got saved, and uh, he got so gloriously saved that man every time the doors of the church were opened he was there every time they had revival he was there every time they had vacation bible school he was there anytime they had anything going on in the church he was there and and he said he had people come to him and say hey man you ain't got to be here every time the doors are open and that's the mentality that people have in the church you go and do everything you want to for the world do all you can, give everything you've got to the world and to sin and to Satan. But hey, don't be a holy roller. Bring it back a bit, you Jesus freak. And that's the mentality that a lot of churches have. Verse 13, I am pressed under you as a cart is pressed that is full of sheaves. In other words, God is speaking to him saying, look, all the sin that is here, he says, 
it's it's weighing me down. That's why Amos is the burden bearer. God has placed on him a burden. This is God's burden, and because it's God's burden, it's Amos's burden. And if you love God, as we say we love God, any burden of His should be a burden of ours. So what does he say? He says, Therefore the flight shall perish from the swift, and the strong shall not strengthen his force, neither shall the mighty deliver himself. Neither shall he stand that handleth the bow, and he that is swift of foot shall not deliver himself, neither shall he that rideth the horse deliver himself. And he that is courageous among the mighty shall flee away naked in that day, saith the Lord. In other words, there's coming a day in which God is telling them, he says, I've had enough. He says, I'm going to judge you, and even your mightiest man won't be able to stand. This morning as we come to a close, let me say this. I believe as Peter writes, judgment begins in the house of God. That's what's needing to go on in the nation of Israel at this time. The northern kingdom, the southern kingdom. God is using Amos to call them and point out their sins. And say, Here's your sin before you. Now here's what's going to happen. Judgment will come. This morning, beginning with myself and with each person here, we need to start focusing. We need to start getting focused on Christ. And we need to start saying, Lord, what sin is there in my life? How am I being disrespectful and despising the law of God? Point it out to me. Show it to me that I may repent. Amos is calling his people to repentance. The burden that he has for his people is so strong. He says, you need to repent. Here's a coming judgment. You say, well, we're, I'm a Christian. I'm not going to face judgment. You might not face the judgment seat of Christ, but you will face chastisement. And you will face the judgment of God here on this earth if you don't repent. Speaking to myself, Lord, reveal me sin. Speak to yourself for the Lord to reveal sin. Search our hearts that we may repent and be back on board with the Word of God. Not traditions of man. Not what we've been taught from uh, uh, was, was right, but what the Bible says is right. If you follow after man and man's traditions, you will be led astray. Evaluate the things that you believe and the things that you do with what the Word of God has to say. Let Him put you back on that straight and narrow that leads to life. Does that speak to you? Is that something that you think, you know what, I've never thought about it before, but now I need to be focused upon what God is, is, is trying to tell me? 
that with sin comes judgment? For us, we know that Christ took our judgment, took our punishment, so that we can have an abundant life, everlasting life. But our salvation is not a license to sin. Paul wrote, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Our salvation is freedom from sin. And we live a life of repentance. Searching our hearts constantly. Trying to live in accordance with the word of God. Why? Because we love him. My kids. I would hope that. They are obey me. Out of love. Because they know that I love them. And they love me. But they also know that. When they stray from. Commandments. From my teaching. When they stray from what I tell them to do. They get punished. When we begin as a people to stray. God will send judgment. So let us focus. Let us pray. Lord, search my heart. Reveal sin that I may confess it. Judgment begins at the house of God. This morning, let it begin with me. And let it begin with you. So we stand to our feet for our final hymn. Pray with me. Thank you for joining us for our broadcast. I hope you'll join us again next time with Rick Clark Ministries.